In our scripture this morning, we're going to hear that this Philip is very in tune to what the Holy Spirit is prompting him to do, and he's faithful with that. And I try to be faithful when the Holy Spirit gives me a little nudge. And so I didn't realize it when I came to the building today, but I'm going to give you two sermons. Here comes the first sermon. Last, or two summers ago, we were on the Outer Banks of North Carolina, and we chartered a boat. We went out fishing. We were going to get some yellowfin tuna, sushi-quality yellowfin tuna. And as we were out there fishing, the sharks, there was an infestation of sharks in that part of the water, and, you know, we would get a big bite, and you're trying to bring it in, and all of a sudden, you'd just reel in a head, or, you know, a shark would just bite through everything. Well, later in the afternoon, all of a sudden, a whale spouted and blew, you know, the, the water up in the air, and then there were dolphins, dolphins, they were tweeting each other, these dolphins, they were going, and, and the, the mate said, this is perfect. You see, dolphins and whales communicate with one another, right? And that freaks the sharks out. And so when there's dolphins or when there's whales, the sharks that were really kind of predators, you know, they're the, they're the meanies of the, of the ocean, they just disappeared. And so I guess I could give a sermon that says something like, you know, if we are in communication with one another, with our brothers and sisters in Christ, and when, if we're in communication with the Holy Spirit, the sharks of the world don't like that kind of communication. So stay plugged in to one another and to God. Amen. That's the first sermon. Second sermon is going to be a little bit longer than that, but I uh, thought I would just throw that out there. Did anyone else know that about what the communication between dolphins and, and whales does to a shark's sensibility? Well, there you go. You, that's a takeaway for you this morning. Well, this story that Andrew kind of uh, teased us with is a fantastic story. It's also a very important story in the history of the church, this church that was still so young and so fragile. So I want to set it in context. Yes, Jesus has been raised, and, and the disciples now with the Holy Spirit are filled with courage. They're filled with holy boldness, and we spoke about that holy boldness last week in the message. They've already replaced Judas Iscariot, who, who, you know, had betrayed Jesus and had committed suicide, but their work was growing, and so we have this account where they take seven of the disciples, not the big 12, but seven of the followers, and they, they, they understand how important their faith is in their life, and they set them aside to be the people who administer the food ministry. From the very beginning of church, church has been feeding the hungry, clothing the naked, and two of these gentlemen that, that are kind of put into this brand new group are Stephen and Philip. And we hear more about Stephen and Philip than the others. But we know they weren't just uh, workers at a food pantry. No, they were also evangelists. They, they were preachers and powerful preachers. And so just before our text starts today, we're introduced to a man named Saul, who we, of course, know becomes the Apostle Paul. And Saul is the one who oversees the murder of Stephen, and his only crime was, was his faith in Jesus Christ. And so we know that, that Saul oversaw that because they placed their garments at his feet, and he goes, and he, now he's trying to hunt down any little Christian sect he can find. He's trying to eliminate, eliminate all the Christians that he can find. And so they go into hiding, and yet Philip, as he's hiding, he is still preaching. He can't not preach. Is that 
grammatically incorrect? I hope so. He, he just, he's compelled. He has to speak. He has to share this great good news. And he had great success. He had a really good gig going. He had a lot of people who were flocking to hear him. But then the Holy Spirit comes knocking. And so we have this text from the eighth chapter of Acts. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, get up and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, and in charge of her entire treasury. When he had come to Jerusalem to worship, he was returning home, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, go over to this chariot and join it. So I love this imagery. So Philip ran up to it, and he heard him reading from the prophet Isaiah. I just have this image of, of you know, Philip just running to try and catch up with this chariot. He had, he had the wings of an angel on him just to go and be, uh, be successful and faithful to what God was calling him. So Philip looks into this chariot. He asks, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb, silent before its shear, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, about whom, may I ask you, does this prophet say this? about himself or about someone else. Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more, and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azostas. As he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. There is a real crucial dividing line in the book of Acts. After the first appearance of Saul, but before the seismic shift of his conversion, the Ethiopian eunuch bursts onto the scene and is seated in a chariot and reading the prophet Isaiah. Now, I want to pause here. I learned a fun fact. I know you didn't come to church today thinking you were going to get all these fun facts, but he was reading out loud, and I learned, and then I checked and double-checked and triple-checked, that people didn't know that they could read silently to themselves. It wasn't until about the year 400 that people really started to, to read quietly in their own mind. You can imagine what that did to education, right? Just everyone reading out loud, reading out loud. But that was a gift that he was reading out loud because Philip recognized the words and he knew what he had to do. So this eunuch, he's a powerful man. He's in charge of the queen's entire treasury. He is a black man. But what was more startling 
was that he was a eunuch. He is identified with a sexual reference, eunuch. Five times when Luke writes this, he just says, the eunuch, the eunuch, the eunuch, no name whatsoever. And this man, friends, is an important part of the Christian story, a crucial part of it, and the story is not complete without him. So this Ethiopian eunuch comes up, um, the story comes up so soon after the resurrection, and, and, and we, we know that the people were on fire, and so we ask one another with Philip, do you understand what you are reading? Do you know there's a seismic shift coming do you know that the world's going to change when all are welcome? The world's going to change when all are welcome. When we learn to lean on one another, when we trust the source of all life, the risen Christ, the God who is in it with us together. Philip's baptism of the Ethiopian eunuch offered a grace Filled preaching point for every preacher that's ever preached this. And the point is this, we are all welcome. This great commission that Jesus ended the Gospel of Matthew with, it says, go to all the nations, baptize them, teach them. Philip and others heard that. Here is a brand new nation, a brand new continent that is going to be reached by the power of the Gospel. And so really, there are three players at work here, two of them human. The, the first one is this Holy Spirit of God, the Spirit of God that had a hold of Philip. The Spirit, the Holy Spirit, which is the catalyst to extend the gospel, and a gospel that is, is meant to break through barriers of geography and ethnicity. The Holy Spirit, who is God's active presence in enabling the church to be in mission, to those who are marginalized. But I'm really drawn to Philip and the eunuch. Philip, what can we learn from Philip? We learn from Philip that he was responsive to the Spirit's leading and had a forthrightness in asking the important questions. But he asked the question, but he also had the gift of knowledge. He knew exactly how to take the very passage that the eunuch was reading and tell the entire story of the gospel. I wonder how many of us, if we heard someone walking by reading some little snippet from one of the Old Testament prophets, could use that as our starting point to truly proclaim good news that is transformational. It's my prayer that we could all get to that point. But Philip is on the road. He is faithfully on the road, and he is having incredible encounters with God outside of a building. Philip is the kind of disciple who went where God told him to go, who did what God told him to do, and then leaves the results up to God. But it's really this Ethiopian eunuch that I'm drawn to. I think he is the star of this story. We know that the Jewish elite would have seen him as an outsider. Castration was forbidden. You can read that in Deuteronomy. He would have been excluded from full inclusion into the community of faith. And yet there he was going to Jerusalem, compelled to try and worship, compelled to try and learn more. And right in the midst of a group of people who have him excluded, 
He's excluded by sexuality, geography, and nationality. And friends, there are similar exclusions that continue right here in 2021 based on sexuality, based on color of the skin, based on the language that we speak or the food that we eat. And yet we know we are called to continue to reach those on the margin of society. I wonder if we could say it and truly mean it if we were to say to God, God, send us all those men and women. Send us all those children and the elderly that no one else wants because we have news that is so good it can be life-changing. Do we really mean it? This eunuch was drawn to God. He, he was drawn to a, a, a monotheistic God, not a polytheistic God. He was really experiencing what we Methodists call provenient grace, that grace of God that goes before us, that grace of God that tries to woo us into relationship, that grace of God that is seeking after us at all times and in all places and in all ways. Even if we don't understand what the preacher is saying on Sunday, or even if we don't understand what we're reading when we read these texts, there's something about them that keep drawing us to them. And so he doesn't get it, but he's still a seeker, still trying to understand. He is asking. He is knocking. The door will be open for him. And so that text that he's reading is, is uh, from the 53rd chapter of Isaiah, and we know that it speaks, it's the prophecy about Jesus who is going to be crucified. But we do know that just three chapters later in Isaiah, in chapter 56, we hear about how this Savior, this Savior, is going to save foreigners and eunuchs. A part of God's salvation work, something that the Jewish community themselves did not fully embrace. And so this eunuch knows he needs to ask questions. He knows he needs to ask the important questions, the kind of questions that are the key to unlock the door. And so he says, how can I understand this without someone to help me? What is this text really about? Who is the prophet speaking about himself or someone else? He was eager for a spiritual guide, a spiritual director, are we equally as eager? And then we also know that he has this boldness. He hears the word, he obviously understands the word as it's presented to him, and then he says, well, why can't I be baptized? What is it to prevent me? What is to stop me? What is it that hinders me? He made a response to the good news a response that had him celebrating. In face of this good news, he said, why not me? Why not here? Why not now? He got it, even before the Jewish elite, that this good news is for everyone, even an Ethiopian eunuch, especially for an Ethiopian eunuch. And so they go down into the water. And anytime you have water and the water is disturbed, we know that it ripples out. It ripples out. And that's what's going to happen. It's going to ripple out. This eunuch is going to come up out of the water. He is going to be washed clean completely. He's going to know that he's right with God. And then he's going to let that ripple out as he takes the good news of Jesus Christ back with him to the continent of Africa. 
And as Pastor Andrew teased in the children's time, there are groups of Christians in Africa that trace their Christian heritage all the way back to this Ethiopian eunuch. And so we have this eunuch who was wealthy enough to ride in a chariot, educated enough to read Greek, devout enough to study Isaiah, humble enough to know that he could not understand without help, hospitable enough to invite Philip into the chariot, and bold enough to say, why not me? Why not here? Why not now? And so, friends, in the face of persecution, at the exact time where there were people trying to execute, exterminate anyone who was a follower of Jesus Christ, the kingdom of God grows. It grows. It goes outward. And thanks be to God that it did and it does so that we can worship this great God right here in Whitefish Bay on May the 2nd, 2021. May God bless all of you as you seek to be in tune to the leading of the Spirit. Who knows? Your voice might be the exact right voice to say the exact right thing at the right time to the right person. Amen.